All right. I wish you guys could have seen that. When you put Jesus in there, all that pepper just goes. It's, it's really amazing. It's, I could be at Branson with that trick. Way, way off Branson. Probably Hollister. Maybe I could work. All right. Today is uh, Friend Day, and we've talked about Jesus being our friend with the kids. And today we're going to talk about what does that, what does that really mean? We use, we use lots of words pretty loosely in the English language. And uh, so today we're going to understand what it really means to be uh, a friend. And so turn your Bibles this morning to John 15. And uh, that's, that's where we were during uh, the uh, worship time. That's where they read from. I got pepper all over me. Okay. Let's all stand and honor God's word. This is my Bible, the living word of God. I am what it says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. This word is the truth. It never changes and can never be destroyed. Right now, my mind is alert. My heart is open. I'm about to receive a life-changing experience. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. We're going to begin reading today in verse 14 of chapter 15 of John. And this is Jesus speaking. Jesus is saying and giving definition to what it is to be his friend. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. This is really important here. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray. Father, this morning in the world that we live in, we talk a lot about followers and friends. But Father, we want to know this morning what you mean by these words. And so Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to hear and to understand this morning and that you would draw us unto you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I know that I talk about this a lot because it drives me insane. But in the day and age that we live in, words, their meaning seems like it, it changes. Uh, they, they mean, words mean things, but all of a sudden they mean something different than they used to mean. Family can be whatever it wants to be. Marriage can be whatever it wants to be. Christian can mean whatever you want it to mean. I read in, uh, on the internet this week, uh, I did a search, and ABC, did a news po- ABC News did a poll, and uh, it said that 83% of Americans call themselves Christian, call themselves Christian. But what does that mean? And so I went and looked up the word Christian, and originally the word Christian meant little Christ, a person who was so much like Jesus that when you looked at them, you would say, well, this, this person looks just like Christ. This person is a, is a little Christ. They, they do the same things that Christ did, and they act just like Christ, and so that's what it meant. Now, Christian means that you believe that there is 
a God. You don't believe that there is maybe the God, but you believe that there is a God. Uh, you might celebrate, celebrate, celebrate Christmas and Easter, but truthfully, in America today, Christian, you can be a Christian and it really not alter your life at all, according to the definition that, that the world has of Christian. If, let's, I mean, let, let's be honest. If 83% of America was acting like little Christs, wouldn't the country look a lot different than it does today? That's almost 9 out of 10. If 9 out of 10 people were following Christ, were doing the things that Jesus did, there would be hardly any murder, there wouldn't be hardly any divorce, there wouldn't be any, hardly any crime at all. If 83% of the people were really Christian. And I kept reading on in this study and it said that 50% of the 80% say that they don't ever go to church. They're Christian, but they never go to church. They never fellowship with God's people. And of those thir- of the 50% of the 80%, 30% of that 50%, you know how many that is? I don't know either. But anyway, 30% of them say they're not evangelical at all. They never share their faith. They never talk about their faith. And so it's easy to see why Christian really doesn't mean anything anymore. And if you look in the Bible, Jesus never really calls us to be Christian anyway. Jesus uses words like follow. Jesus uses words like disciple. Jesus uses words like friend. That describes the relationship that Jesus calls for. Jesus doesn't call us to be Christian. Jesus calls us to be follower. Jesus calls us to be disciple. Jesus calls us to be friend. So what does that mean? If if we're going to be what Jesus has called us to be, we have to understand the context that he was speaking in and what that meant at that time, what he calls us to. Because follower and friend is really, really different today than what it was back when Jesus was talking about it. Uh, in, In the day we live in, friend and follower can mean several things. Friend can be like an acquaintance. I used to work at uh, the lumberyard that's down there uh, in Seymour. And there was a lot of people that would come through. And a lot of them would come through two or three times a week. And they would buy stuff. And I wouldn't really know their name. I might know their name. But we had a relationship. We were friends. And I knew like they would have rental properties. and, And I would help them with plumbing and things like that. And we were friends but we never called each other on the phone. We never gave each other Christmas cards or went over to any, their house to eat or anything like that. But we would be what the world would call friends, but really we were just acquaintances. Uh, many of you, I hate to say this, but it's true. Many of you and I, we are acquaintances. We have so many people here that I cannot be real close friends with everyone. I know who you are. I I know your name. Uh, Maybe sometimes I get them right. Sometimes I get them wrong. Twice this morning I got them wrong. But anyway, (laughs) that's the way it is. And some of us are, some of you have really close friends and then some of you just have acquaintances. And so we need to know what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, I was talking to Cindy the other night and she was you know, you always hear on the Facebook people talk about friends. I said, Cindy, what, is, what does that mean? You know, because I'm, I don't, 
you know, she was talking about that text thing. I couldn't get it to work. You know why? Because I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not, I'm not anti, but I don't understand all this stuff. So I said, Cindy, what is, what is a friend on a Facebook? And she goes, well, people will say, you know, will you be my friend? And I said, so you know all these people? And she goes, no, I don't know them. She goes, I'm not a friend with anybody that I don't know. Well, I was, I was watching a show the other day, and there was this teenage girl, and she has over 5,000. There's probably people here that have more than that. But she has 5,000 friends on Facebook. And the guy that was doing the interview with her said, how many of those people do you really even know? And she goes, oh, maybe 200. And her mother was talking to this about this girl, and she said that this girl puts stuff on Facebook, and then she looks to see how many of the 5,000 people who are her friends like what she puts on there. And this lady says that this girl's mood will either be good or bad, when, when she figures out how many people like it or not. And she doesn't even know these people. And so I told Cindy, I said, so it's possible to have a friend and you not even know them? And she goes, oh yeah, happens all the time. I was, I was watching TV the other night and it was, I think it was an NBA player has 1.5 million followers on the Twitter. I don't know what that means. But I guess there's 1.5 million people that would be considered his followers. And he don't know them at all. He might know, he might know 500,000 of them. No, he don't know. There's no way he knows that many people. 1.5 million people in this world say, I follow this guy. And a lot of people have, you know, you talk about when it gets to these celebrities and things like that, they have, I guess they could have millions of friends on their Facebook, I guess. And so in the culture we live in, friend and follower requires very little alter, alter, I don't have to alter my life at all to be your friend or your follower. Do you understand that? That's, what we, that's the way we think. And so when we talk like that, we, we live in a society, we live in a culture where friend and follower, when we hear those words, mean completely different things than what Jesus said friend and follower is. And so we have to be very careful with the language we use when we start talking to people about what it means to be a friend or follower of Jesus. In the day we live in, you can be a friend or follower of someone and it have no effect on your life whatsoever. You can be a friend of someone on Facebook and it shows up that it's their birthday. And you can, what do you do? You like that or what do you do? I don't know. Oh yeah, you wish them a happy birthday. I don't know what you do. You wish him a happy birthday. Well, that's fine. That's great. But you didn't have to buy him a present. You didn't have to remember to send him a card or anything like that. And you're getting credit for, is that really what a friend is? A real friend? And so Jesus talks about this stuff. And, and, and to be a friend of Jesus is, requires some some interaction uh it requires some 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 uh some some changes in your life in the world we live in it takes very little to be a friend but in the world that jesus was in and what jesus was talking about it takes a lot to be a friend and follower of jesus 
Uh, and so we need to understand that there is, there's, in, the, in the world we live in, there's not much required. But Jesus says there is a lot required. So let's see what does Jesus talk about. In the day that Jesus was living in, in, in the day that this scripture was, it, scripture was central to everything they did. If you were a kid and you were a Jew, and this is who Jesus was talking about, if you were a kid and you were a Jew, you would spend the first 15 years of your life submerged in learning scripture. They would memorize huge chunks of scripture. And most everything that they were taught in school was scripture, the Bible, the Old Testament, Old Testament characters, what it meant to be a follower of God, why we have the Ten Commandments. They worked very hard for the first 15 years of a child's life. They were teaching them what it would be to be a godly person. They were teaching them character. The first 15 years of their life was spent on character. And then after they were 15, they were given the ability to, uh, they, they thought that they would have the ability to interpret scripture a little bit. And so they would be able to talk about it a little bit. And then when they were 20 years old, they would begin an internship on a trade. They would learn a trade. So for the first big section of a Jewish kid's life, they were learning character. That was the first thing they learned. They learned, what is it to be a father? What is it to be a son? What is it to be a follower of the Almighty God? What does that look like? I want to learn all that he has to do. They thought that character was what needed to be taught. And then, after they learned how to have good character, then and only then did they teach them a trade. The trade was secondary. So when Jesus talks about about uh, what friend means, we're going we're gonna to get into that. But I want you to understand where these people were because this, this is where his disciples were. They had gone through nearly 20 years of character training and now they were in the trade. They were, it says that, that many of them were with their father. They were, they were fishing. So if they were still with their father, they were probably still in maybe the apprenticeship. I don't know, but they were, they were learning their trade. And then, after they learned to trade, if they wanted to go and teach Scripture, they would find a rabbi. Okay? Is everybody following me here? I'm going to back up just a little bit. I think it's very interesting here that if you were a Jew, they spent more time on teaching you character than they did on teaching you a trade. Now, this is not a slam on our society. I'm making an observation but if you look at our society and our culture, what do we teach? We teach mathematics. We teach language. We teach science. What do we teach? We teach above all else how to be successful in business and life. And we don't teach character. I'm just saying. In our country, in our society, we, are, we put more emphasis on work and on career than we do character. And that's why we're in the mess we're in. If you look at our country and look at the people that run our country and, and, and just, just look at our country in general, people are, I've got to make it, I've got to make a living, I've got to, I've got to be successful, and we teach that and we teach that. And there's nothing wrong with, with teaching that, but when we teach that first, we miss the very most important thing, which is character. 
If we would learn character, then we would be able to do the other successfully. But since we don't learn character, we don't learn how to be successful. That's why we have so many broken homes, so much broken marriage, so much corruption in every poor part of business and government and anything like that because we don't teach character anymore. Where's the first place? Now, if you think that I'm slamming on anybody that's educating, you are incorrect because character needs to be taught at home first. And we're not teaching character at home either. I don't, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know how teachers do it. I don't know how you do it. I just don't know how you do it because you, you have kids come in that have been taught zero character whatsoever and then you're trying to teach them how to make a living and they have no character in them whatsoever. It's like skipping, and, and we talked about this before and I've, read, I've told you about this book that I read. It's like skipping a base. You skip character and go straight to, I'm going to be a productive citizen. I don't need character. I just want to be a successful citizen. Now, I don't know if you guys have been watching the, uh, the baseball thing that's been going on or whatever. I think the Royals, are, are they playing the Mets? Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Landon. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. So, so the, the Royals are playing the, the, Met, the Mets, is that right? Okay. So imagine George Brett's coming up to bat for the Royals. That's, that's the only Royal I can name, I'm just telling you. That's the only one. And let's imagine that he comes up and the Royals really need a double. They really need a double. All right. Who's a player for the Royals? I don't know. Who? Okay. Hosmer? Okay, Hosmer. Hosmer. Oh, Freddie Hosmer. I don't know what his name is. Hosmer comes up. We need a, and his coach, his coach, Ned Yost. I know Ned Yost, okay. Ned, me and Ned went to school together. No. Ned Yost says, Hosmer, we need a double. We need a double. We really need a double. We got a man on base, and, and we need a double, all right? And so no matter what, you've got to get a double. So Hosmer hits it and doesn't go to first. He just runs straight past the pitcher, right over the pitcher's mound, and goes straight to second. What are they going to do? Somebody's going to say, hey, you can't do that. Well, I can. I need this. This is important. This is important to our team. I need a double. But you, you, you missed first base. It doesn't matter. We need it. And that's the way we are in our society. I need to, I need to have success no matter what. I need, to, I need to make money or I need to be important or I need to be popular. I need to be good at something. And I don't care if I don't have any character whatsoever, which what is required on first base. I'm going to go right past it. But, and that's what we do. In Jesus' day, they thought you get character first and then you go to the rest of your life. Because if you have character, you're going to be a better husband and a better wife. If you have character, you're going to be a better employee. You're going to show up to work. You're going to do the things that needs to do, but you have to have character first. And so for the nearly first 20 years of their life, they would, use, they would teach character. And that's very important when we understand what Jesus is asking here. And so, and so they've taught character and then, and then people, they've taught them a trade and then they would decide, am I going to continue life in this trade or am I going to teach the scriptures? 
And if you decided in your life, you said, I think that God has called me and I want to teach scriptures, then you would go and listen to all the rabbis around. And the rabbis would be teaching in the synagogue and you would sit in the synagogue and you would listen to them and you go, you know, I kind of like the way this guy thinks. I like the way he acts and, and I've watched the guys that follow him and, and they do a really good job. And, and if you saw a rabbi that you liked, you would go and you would, you know, say, Rabbi, you know, I've been, I've been listening to you in the synagogue and, and I would like to be your follower. I would love to follow you. I would love to be your friend. You would, you would give him a friend request, except you would be face to face. Can I follow you? Can I be a f- And they would understand that if I was going to be their friend, that I would follow them and I would do the things that they did. I would go where they went. And literally, by the time I was done, I would act exactly like my rabbi. Okay? So, this is where we're at. This is the kind of relationship that Jesus has called us to. Jesus has called us to this uh, relationship of we follow him until we imitate him, until we uh, look and do just exactly what he did. When Jesus walked on water, what did Peter do? Peter walked on water. Now he sunk, but at first he walked on water. Why did he do that? He saw his rabbi do that, and he said, if rabbi can do it, I can do it. Okay? I can do the same things. They believed that they could become like the rabbi. The only difference between what Jesus is talking about and what was happening in the Jewish thing was, was if you wanted to be taught by a rabbi, you would go and ask them, what did Jesus say in this scripture this morning? I choose you. I pick. I pick. He came up to all of his disciples And they were all doing something else. All of them, none of them were out looking for Jesus, all right? None of them were like, man, I wish Jesus was my rabbi. We never see, we see some people come like up to Jesus like that, and he says, okay, you can be my follower, but you got to sell everything. And, you know, he always told them something they had to do. Jesus comes to them and says, I want you to enter into this friendship relationship with me. You know that Jesus still does that? What, what, why in the world would he do that? Why would he do that? I can understand that people would see Jesus and say, oh, I want to follow him. I want to be like him. I see him doing things. I want, but why would he come to these guys? These guys were, they were fishermen. They were kind of low on the scale. He picked tax, he picked a tax collector Matthew was the worst of the worst. And, and Matthew should have been coming to Jesus and say, oh, I need to change the way I live. But, but, Matthew, but Jesus comes to Matthew and says, come, follow me. Do you think that worked into Peter's mindset when he gets ready to step off that boat? What do you think that said to Peter when, when Jesus started walking on water and Jesus says, Peter, come out here. See, Jesus had given a great deal of affirmation to Peter when he asked him to be a follower. Because he's saying, Peter, I see something in you. I can do something in you. I can change you. I can make you like me. 
Peter doesn't ask it. Jesus says, I see it in you. I see that, that if you allow me to, to change you, if you allow me to, to work in your life, if you allow me to have my way, if you'll follow me, do the things I command, be what I've asked you to be, you can do the same things I do. If Jesus said that to you, wouldn't that make you have, and I'm not talking about having faith in ourselves, but it is a little bit like that. Peter believed what Jesus said. Peter said, you know, he asked me to come. He must think that he can really do this in my life. He asked me to walk on the water. Jesus really thinks that he can do this to me. He can give me the power to do this. Peter believed what Jesus said. Peter believed that if, and so we see them enter into this relationship with Jesus where they, where they followed him all the time. And they did everything that he did. The whole idea in Jesus' day of, of friend and follower was to one day be just like the teacher and then teach others. They, they were taught to act and think and talk and live like the teacher. Friend was not a request that involved very little commitment or effort. It was a lifestyle. And today Jesus calls us to a lifestyle. Jesus doesn't call us like on the Facebook and the Twitter and say, hey, will you follow me? Will you just, you know, just kind of check in every now and then? Just kind of see if I updated my status or something like that. Will you just wish me happy birthday on Christmas and happy resurrection day on Easter? Jesus doesn't ask that. When Jesus asked for you to be a friend and a follower, he's talking about what he did with his disciples where we forsake everything and we come into this relationship where we say, I will be like you. The things that you don't like, I won't like. The things that you don't do, I won't do. The way you love people is the way I'm going to love people. Mm. You know, Jesus loves some weird people. This guy. And all of you. We're all weird somewhere or another. Some of us more than others. But you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, you're going to love like I love. You're going to talk like I talk. Jesus, we'd rather, we'd rather just be your friend like on Facebook. That's easier. We'd rather just kind of follow you on the Twitter. And we'll listen to what you say, and then we'll just keep going. And, and, and if we can be your friend or your follower, and it really not change our life at all, that's what we want. He's talking about complete life change here. He's talking about you follow him every day in everything that you do. And it's not you saying, oh God, help me. I don't understand why he does this. But he invites us the word says, while we were still sinners, that he died for us. While we're still sinners, he says, won't, won't, won't you come? 
Won't you come just as you are with, with the sin in your life and all that's going on in your life and all the dysfunction in your life and everything? I want you to come and you can be like me. Why does he do that? When I read this scripture and I read that, he says, I choose you. I think, why would you do that? I don't know if you've ever played sports at school. I've told you this story before. When it came to baseball, I was the worst. And we would pick, and I would always be one of the last ones. And they'd kind of like flip a coin, who gets Letzinger, you know, because I was terrible. I could throw a ball at that wall and it hit over there. I was terrible. I hated that. I wanted to be chosen. I mean, we're all that way, you know. When, you, when we was little kids and we got ready to play basketball, you'd always pick the tall kid and everybody stand on their toes, you know. We want to be picked. And even if we're like I was, and I was no good, and Jesus says, I want to, will you enter this? Do you understand what a precious invitation it is for Jesus to say, to give you a friend request? To say, come. And you say, well, I, I have these habits. I have these things going on in my life. I have this sin in my life. Why? He goes, you can't, you can't, it's just like I talked about, you can't clean that up. Come and I'll clean it up. I'll, I'll make you what you need to be. I'll, I'll, if you'll come and, and be repentant and be sorry for that, I will take that away and I'll make you new. I'll make you all over. You can't do it by, I, we're not talking about a remodel. We're talking about a total remake. Because in order for us to be like him, we can't be like us. And he says, I want you. He says that to each one of us. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know the things I've done in my life. I don't care. I don't care. Jesus says, I want to make a friend request. I want us to stand this morning. I want you guys to come and sing. Maybe this morning Jesus is inviting you for a friend request. Sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? When I think about that God would want me And yet he says that he can come into my heart and cleanse away all the things I've done and make me new. And he says that if I enter into this relationship and alter my life to follow him, that he can make me like him, little Christian, little Christ. Not what the world says Christian is, but what it really is, a follower of him. Are you his friend this morning? Are you allowing him to be first place in your life? Or maybe are you not as good a friend as you should be? Maybe you maybe you're, have been following Christ, but if you were really honest this morning, you say, you know, I'm really not a very good friend of Jesus this morning. I'm really not the friend that he's talking about here in Scripture. Being a Christian in my life really doesn't alter my life, but 
If you're really a Christian, it changes everything. It changes the way you think, the way you talk, the way you act, the way you spend your money, the way you look at life. It changes everything. That's what he's calling us into this morning. And it's not me calling you into that this morning. It's God's Holy Spirit. And if God's Holy Spirit's speaking to you this morning, our altars are open. I just want you to come today and accept his friend request. Accept this invitation that the Almighty God comes and says, I can change you and you can be like me. Do we deserve it? No. But he asks us. And I think he's probably asking somebody this morning, if he is, accept him today. Come and repent. Turn your back on your sin and let God make you new today. If the Lord's spoken to you this morning, come as we sing.